Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. I am Honesty Liller with the McShen Foundation, and um, we're here to haven't done the podcast in forever, so this is going to be a super cool, super fun, no script whatsoever, uh, get in the herd podcast today. I am, if you do not know me, I am a woman in long-term recovery. What that means to me is I have been drug and alcohol-free for over 13 years. I am a proud alum of the McShen Foundation, coming through these doors a long time ago, and um, getting my life that I have today through the process of my own personal recovery. And I'm the CEO of McShen and and a ton of other hats that I wear that we're going to discuss throughout the day. But um, I have two very, very special guests. I will be crying during this hour. (laughs) There is no question that I will not be crying. Um, Which means I will too. Yeah. So Rachel Kelly here um, has been with me even longer than 13 years. She knew me uh, when I got back from a 28-day program treatment place where I met my husband hey um and she took me in pretty much as as um in the 12-step fellowship and um started guiding me early on I was about 25 years old and for me back then I you know went to um the 12-step fellowship and then I had the boy that I met in in treatment and I did not stay in recovery and I share this sometimes so you know if you're in 12-step you're supposed to run important decisions past your sponsor and for me uh, for Adam to move down here to Richmond because he was from West Virginia uh, I ran it past her she said I don't remember exact words but she's like that's probably not a good idea because I was about two months in recovery and I heard hell yes what color are the drapes? Um, so I moved him in. Ultimately, we both uh, had a reoccurrence of use, and we used for about a year. But when I walked through McShen's doors, her now husband was here. Um, I remember seeing him on the stoop. I mean, I was on the stoop, dope six, withdrawn from heroin. And he um, offered to help me to pay for medication, like all of this stuff all these years ago. And then I asked her to be my sponsor again and I haven't left. And she was my sponsor for 12 years of my recovery. And she has grown up with me through this process. Um, so that is Rachel. And then we're going to, I'm going to let them talk, but I'm just going to introduce really quick again, no script. We're just winging this. Um, so to my right is Mackenzie Payne. So the story and my life through Mackenzie, her husband, Daniel Payne was the executive director of McShen over 13 years ago. Um, and when I came into McShen, you know, I had um, a daughter that was five that I could not be the mother to her from womb until she was five years old. I had nothing. I had no job. I had a, a Jeep on a car title loan. I had no money. My parents, uh, my mom, Derby, she knew John and kind of just, uh, this was my last-ditch effort after nine years for my, my heroin addiction trying to get fixed and getting better. 
So Daniel, um, the amazing man he was, he took a chance on me. You know, I, I was here at McShen for about a week just um, doing, you know, the program or the, or the groups and stuff. And he hired me uh, to clean these houses and in these stores and like mulch and pull weeds with old Al Taylor. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't understand like really what recovery was until I came to McShen. And and for me, recovery is love, is is helping someone no matter what and um, guiding someone. So Daniel and Mackenzie were married and, um, you know, working through Daniel's small company that's now very successful and huge. um, I got the opportunity to meet Mackenzie and again, I could not take care of my own daughter. And they took a chance on me and let me um, babysit their son, Jack. And um, he was about one years old. And that's when my relationship with Mackenzie started pretty much probably about the third week or something here at McShen. And so we've all been friends for a very long time. And that's how special they are to me. So if you guys want to take a minute to kind of introduce yourselves. Do we have tissues back there? <laughs> I'll use my mask. I got my mask. Okay, go ahead. Rach. Or oh, me. No, yes. you go. No, I'm, I'm still drying my tears over here. All right. So, um... I am um, a really grateful person in recovery today, and um, I've been clean and sober since August 25th of 2004, so God willing, I'll celebrate my sweet 16 later this month, and um, I've grown up in recovery. I got sober when I was 21 years old, Um, so I was like thought that 21 was going to mean like the height of my life and like all the partying I could possibly muster. And, um, you know, in, in, uh, in my true fashion, 21 was when I decided that like I shouldn't be drinking anymore or using substances. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know how much detail to go into. So, um, I started using, um, Substances at 18 that I never thought I would use. And um, that continued on for a couple years through an abusive relationship and through um, a stint in treatment. And I just continued to um, feed a, uh, what is it called? You know, a round hole with a square peg. And so um, when I was 21, I uh, decided after I got out of treatment that I was no longer going to use those substances because they were bad for me. They, you know, had me um, in, you know, just not living to my true self. So I decided that like, now that I was 21, it was perfectly appropriate for me to just start drinking. And I am such a master manipulator. Like I got family on board. I mean, you know, everybody believed that like this was going to be okay. Or maybe I just thought they believed that. I don't know. They probably actually didn't. If They probably weren't as supportive as I thought they were. Um, so um, from January of 2004 to August of 2004, I um, found myself with three DUIs. And, um, yeah, girl, you know, it just, (laughs) it, it, uh, I, it was a pretty soul crushing year. 
And um, I went down a path with alcohol that I really didn't ever see myself going down. So when I woke up um, on the morning of August 25th in a hospital um, with my mom, you know, just crying at my bedside, um, I decided that like, you know, there was more to my life than how I had been living it. So um, I've been sober since that day. And, you know, recovery has afforded me, I mean, more dreams than I mm -hmm. literally ever thought possible. I remember being in treatment and they told us to like, you know, write down on a list, like, with the five things we wanted to accomplish in the first year. And, and if we knew, if we could see into the future, like we would far surpass those expectations. But I, you know, my list was like <laughs> a rich boyfriend <laughs> and um, a car and, um, you know, a pretty place to live. And, you know, like that's, that's where my mind was. And, you know, I'm so grateful that, um, what I didn't even see coming, my, my God did see coming for me, you know, and what, um, what almost 16 years in recovery has afforded me has been um, uh, going through nursing school and becoming a registered nurse, even when my first nursing professor told me that I would never ever be able to um, successfully pass the boards mm -hmm. um, because of my history and that the um, Board of Nursing would never give me a license. And so, um, you know, I, I, I rode on some faith for a few years and um, like did accomplish that. And, you know, like those are things that only being in recovery and being surrounded by women that said, like, you can do this, you know, we will support you and we will love you and we will hold your hand when you need it and we will carry you when you need it or we will just walk beside you when you need it. And, um, you know, so that's just like one of the many examples of what recovery has meant to be. Um, you know, now I find myself... Um, you know, I, I left my nursing career a few years ago when my third son was born. So now I'm a mom of three young boys and I'm staying at home with them. And, um, you know, like this whole quarantine thing was not in the job description <laughs> when I decided that, um, you know, my children were going to become my bosses. But that's OK. Like we have... <laughs> We have struggled through it and we are surviving. Um, you know, I'm happily married to a man that's also in recovery. And so um, some days that's hard and some days it's wonderful. But like, it's been an amazing journey. And, um, you know, I have some women today that are like closer to me than friends. Like, I don't have sisters, but they are, you know, and I'm really those are just a few of the things that like I'm really grateful for sitting here today. Tell our audience really quick how long you stayed in recovery and still didn't have a driver's That's license. That's what I was going to say. And how you survived and didn't have, well, you probably, you did have tantrums and stuff too. Certainly but how you tantrums. overcame that mm -hmm. and how many years you didn't have a driver's license yeah. and you're still here today. So I didn't have a driver's license for the first five years mm -hmm. of my recovery. I went from 21 to 26 without a car, mode of transportation, or, um, uh, or a driver's license. And um, during those five years, 
I went to um, a 12-step meeting almost every day, mm-hmm. and I um, went through nursing school. So, um, you know, I... <laughs> Can I just add real quick that we were friends for like two years and I didn't even know that Rachel didn't have a driver's license. So I am so I was gonna say the same thing. Like it is so amazing mm-hmm. the 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 links you went to to stay clean and sober. You well know? and what's funny about it is like during those five years, like that was so big. I never thought it would end. I I thought it was like, mm-hmm. you know, the worst struggle that I was ever gonna go through. And like, here I am with 15 years in recovery. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So that just shows you that like this too shall pass. And what we are living in at the moment is, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to get through it, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So for five years, I had to call someone every day to get a ride to a 12 step meeting. And I rode that darn GRTC bus <laughs> mm-hmm. to and from school and clinicals Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, pouring down rain, snowstorms, because like nursing school doesn't get canceled because like hospitals stay open. And um, it was a huge struggle. But I also know looking back that um, what that did for me then was bring me some humility that I did not want um, or ever thought I would get. And it also brought me so close to so many people in the program because I was forced to call people every single day and, um, you know, reach out to them and ride in the car with them when it was like uncomfortable. And I didn't know them very well, but like we, I had to talk to people every single day. And I know today that had I been able to drive myself to meetings, especially in the beginning, I would have driven myself to the bar. Mm-hmm. I would not ever have gotten mm-hmm. myself to a meeting. So, um, you know, and years later, the judge that ruled on that case, um, I saw him, he was awarded something through the McShin Foundation, and I was able to go over to him and tell him, like, thank you for that, because I was real mad, and um, but he saved my life, and he told me he'd never heard that before. He'd never had somebody thank him for um, giving them a punishment, so that was pretty amazing. But yeah, it's like those things. It's amazing how I can forget things that mm-hmm. were just oh my God. so like encompassing yeah. at the time. And they didn't have Uber back then. No, there was <laughs> no Uber. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember as a new caller taking you to the grocery store and stuff. And I was like, wait, isn't the sponsor supposed to be up at me? Like, what is happening? No. Uh, but yes, and that's so true. Like the some of the stuff that I've been in my personal recovery, it's like, gosh, that ain't even nothing compared mm-hmm. to like other bigger things going on, you know? All right, Mackenzie, who are you? What are you doing here? Um, I am Mackenzie Payne, and I'm a wife and a mother and a business owner and a woman in long-term recovery. Um, And my sobriety date is January 23rd, 2004. So as Rachel and I, in honesty, we've all been friends for a really long time, but as I was actually listening to your story in this on this platform, I was like, gosh, we really are so similar. Like we share the same year of getting sober. We both have three boys, you Mm -hmm. know, anyway. 
Um, so yeah, I got um, s- sober. You know, I was uh, I like to party, and um, so I like to party a little too hard. And alcohol was my drug of choice, and I. Um, did a little drugs, which took me downhill pretty quick, which I'm really grateful for because uh, I was ending up, you know, staying up all night and didn't was hanging out with people I never thought I'd hang out with, doing things I never thought I would do. Um, and so for that, I'm really grateful because it got me into a 12-step program um, quicker, I think, than if I had just stayed with alcohol. And um, I actually came into this program because I saw in someone else how it changed their life. And I'm not sure where I'm supposed to look. Am I looking at a camera? Am I, am I looking <laughs> That's at all y'all? over. I'm looking okay. and checking my hair because okay. it was sticking up earlier. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> looking at Todd's new fresh shave, Todd. So, it doesn't matter here. Okay. We're and um, so I, um, yeah, I, I saw, you know, they say in the program attraction rather than promotion. And that's how um, I got into the 12 step program of recovery. Uh, I went to a meeting every day for at least the first year of recovery, um, at least one or two meetings a day. And I just did what I was told to do, basically. Um, back then, life was pretty simple, you know, it was go to a meeting every day, go get coffee eat food, you know, stay clean, stay sober, call your sponsor. Like that was it. Uh, work the steps. And, um, you know, I feel like in my life, you know, I learned to live in this program as, and I feel like before I was just existing in Mm. this world, um, with no real purpose. I wanted like purpose in my life, but I couldn't really find it. Even though I was reading all the self-help books and I would try to stop drinking on my own and I would just eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) every day and gain 10 pounds in a month because I didn't know how to deal with all the other things that were going on within side of me, within me. So, um, yeah, I've been through, um, you know, we, we all don't, we don't get out of this thing unscathed. So I've, um, my brother is actually the reason that I got sober because um, his problem was way worse than mine. And so then he got sober and then I fell off the deep end. And um, and so that's he's the one who who I saw his life change. So I came into the program and then my brother ended up going back out. He he ended up passing away. Um, and, you know, that was probably the hardest thing in my life so far. Um, and I remember like when he died, um, the people who showed up were all the people in the program, like all of my friends and the people that I didn't even know were my friends, like were at my house bringing me food. Um, and I had a 18 month old and a, I was pregnant with my second son. And, um, and you know, that's just a true Testament. Like this program is filled with so much love and, you know, um, people show up and that's, I think what we're taught to do. Like if, if you, someone asks you for help, you say yes, you know? And I think that if anyone who isn't in a 12 step program, um, had the opportunity to attend a 12 step meeting, um, I would encourage that just because, you know, I think it is, you know, they say in the AA program, it is a design for living for every every human being. You know, um, I'm just so grateful that I learned how to, um, like, be accountable. Um, I 
have learned, you know, how to kind of go inward, um, clean up my own closet internally, externally, um, you know, right when I'm wrong. Uh, you know, like it's, it's basically this super, super simple way to live, um, that the 12 steps have, has offered me and, and millions and millions of people. Um, so I know there are probably people that are in, you know, newly in recovery listening and people maybe not in recovery, but who love other people in recovery. And, um, and, you know, this is a really devastating disease. Um, and I, you know, like we are miracles sitting here, Mm -hmm. you know, like we've, we've been doing this for a while Mm -hmm. together. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's not always, it's, you know, like we are like these blessings that sit here that have been doing this for 16 and 13 years together, you know, and that's like, you know, it's kind of uncommon. Mm So, um. And I just wanted to touch on, like, a friend of mine had texted me last night about a friend that um, lost her battle with addiction. And, you know, it's just like, you know, so well, you know, working here at McShin, like, it is just, you know, I hate to be the Debbie Downer over here, but I would, you know, if I didn't mention it, you know, I think we would, we can sit here and laugh and joke and, you know, and forget, like you said, like we forget, you know, what it was like because our life is so good today, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't mean that it's not hard and that we don't have our ups and downs, but, but, you know, like one of our good friends that we all got sober with, you know, our age got, you know, died recently drinking herself to oblivion and, and, you know, her body couldn't take it anymore. So I just, you know, I think that, um, I'm just really grateful and, um, you know, I, we can sit here and laugh and joke, you know, and then the people who aren't in recovery are like, why are they laughing and joking? What is wrong with them? This is serious. not sound funny. Right, right. So, um, but yeah, uh, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to, um, take a moment there to just get serious on the subject because I often think about like, you guys have always showed up for me. Like all these years, every time, every milestone, like anything I've ever done, you guys are always there, no matter what. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 And like, I know you were both at my wedding and uh-huh. we were in your wedding yep. and there for the kids' birth. Yeah. All yeah. That. And yeah. it's like that stuff is the true blessing. Like I never had girlfriends when I was using. I had like a couple like friends, but I ended up like sleeping with their boyfriend <laughs> or like <laughs> wanting to, and she would like want to bite me or something. Um, I was, that's another whole topic, but, um, it's like, I never, I always hung out with dudes. I just never had close knit friends and like what recovery has taught me. And, and, you know, literally I've been in my recovery since practically day one and, and, and we've gotten our lives. And I mean, you've never, we've never, cause you've had to kind of be in my life because you were my sponsor, <laughs> but, um, you know, and we get our kids in our lives and it's bit, but like, I don't know, I guess we still like, even if we didn't talk every day or hang out, it's like when we 
did it just we're just all friends you know and that's like the tools and and the stuff that recovery teaches us you know is like true love not fake shit Mm -hmm. ceo Mm -hmm. not fake stuff um (laughs) that was thought we were here alone um you know and and not you know but that real vulnerable i saw hunter post that like the vulnerability piece of recovery Mm -hmm. is what's gotten me here all these years later hands down not being fake and i have been fake in some of my recovery for sure in different areas of my life and like the sense of freedom to be able to like especially these two, the stuff that I have been through in my marriage here at McShin, just in my being a mom and it's them two and maybe two other people on earth that I am besides my God, you know, like that is what I truly believe is the heartbeat of recovery Mm -hmm. is like getting vulnerable with the people that you trust, no matter how, I mean, how many times we talk about like literally throwing our kid out the window, like for real, like Like, probably today. Yeah. Like, I mean, just like, I mean, no harm to children and we love them, (laughs) but like the stuff that humans go through and you were touching on like, you know, 12 step program. And like, I wish all humans had some form of knowledge mm-hmm. or experience, whether it's the steps or, or faith-based or whatever pathway, yeah. but like has some form of recovery because I just think this world would be just such a better place if, mm-hmm. and just a loving and open-minded world if that happened. Um, so you earth people out there need to get your program. Um so, all right, let's change gears just a little. So that's our stories, a little bit of our versions of our stories. Um, you know, being being women, let's touch on that really quick. Um, you know, for me, I feel even parts of my recovery, whether it's uh, working here, being, you know, under John's wing, or to be honest, being in his shadow for so many years, I felt like the first... Um, this ain't gonna be a therapy session or nothing, but this is just real life. You know, just like being this, being a woman in society, being a mother, being a business owner, you know, or what have you. I feel like there's still, and I think we're breaking down the barriers, but I feel like there's still negative outlook of women using. Like we sure. we get more um, stigmatized because we're supposed to be the wives or the children. These are just what I see in the profession that I'm in, and. You know, when we do get in recovery, so I was, I tell these girls all the time, I make sure, man, like y'all are spoiled. Like when I came into recovery, it was like, what, 15 women or something throughout that would come through here. Um, and it could have been a little bit more, but like now there's so many women staying in long-term recovery and it is like phenomenal. Um, so I guess like y'all touch on if y'all want to, like, I feel still sometimes um, expectations in my home as being the wife and the mom, um, especially now. And we're going to touch on COVID and what school is going to look like, you know, because I think I know one of our uh, female houses, our program house is watching this. And and um, a lot of them are moms, you know, and in and, and touching on the mom thing, but um, more of like the empowering of women. So for me and my personal recovery, I guess, um, specifically for the past, I don't know, this past year, I want to say, has been some spiritual, emotional, um, badass changes in my life as far as um, 
I'm not going to put up with certain people, places, and things anymore. This is, I was listening to, I listen to podcasts all the time now instead of music. And I was listening to Oprah and Kevin Hart this morning. And, um, you know, and I hear this regularly and I think it's God telling me like, this is our one life, right? This is our one life. And we, and we just talked about our using and our addiction and, 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 you know, we can still keep touching on that, but more of like, this is our one life. How are we going to live it? Right? So for me, my recovery has changed and evolved to a more spiritual, um, guess more wellness, more sitting with myself. I do a bunch of different things for my recovery. I don't go to 12 step meetings anymore. Let's put this out there. I don't, um, not saying I'm not going to, I just, I feel like my recovery has evolved. And what that means is I'm really digging into um, new stuff or like big girl stuff, like being a mom and a wife and a CEO and, and, you know, business owners and, and what we do, it's like, I think, you know, we get, I know for me, I've gotten complacent throughout the years of my recovery. And that's been a detriment of my relationships and my character defects and everything. But I'm in the in the pathway of like making some radical changes in my life right now. I'm telling you what, man. And I just started this stuff, <laughs> and I just truly believe in it now. Like I know you're supposed to be just for today, and like not like you know all that stuff. And I, and I respect that. But why not make this the best? freaking day of your life today yeah. like live in the now you know and, and Deepak so I'm on this podcast Oprah Soul Sundays with Oprah um, so Deepak said he's like the most important thing you can ever do is now like not a week from now not my hundreds of lists that I have like now you know that yeah. makes who you are is right now um, so last night I'm in this goddess program with um, Sarah Dave shout out to her it's it's just amazing it's just an inner deeper like holy moly like situation um, but I'm doing my personal vision statement so I don't know you've probably done one but I'm working on it and it you know I had to stop last night so I started on it and like whatever doesn't serve me in that personal vision statement get the get out you know what i mean um so i've been i don't know so i guess just touch on like where you're at now and we're gonna get to the kids and and husband well we won't talk about husbands but uh we'll get to the kids and stuff and like also i wanted to kind of touch in a little bit like what it looks like in your home moving forward for those like what i um i don't know if it's a fear because i do see death a ton of it mm -hmm. um my core is seeping with pain for others sure. uh, we just got the memorial garden and talking to all these families we're doing a, a brick for luke i already talked to your uh -huh. mama um and gosh and just the words that they put and, and it's like i have two children and destiny it, the situation could have been so much different for her like, it could have been so much different for her. She was born in withdrawal of heroin, you know, and, and I have to feel my gratitude every single day of my life. And I just took advantage of that for a long time in my recovery. And now it's just like, I have to wake up every day and not necessarily woo, be happy and like everything is, is great. But like, f I really feel my life today. Mm -hmm. And that's from y'all 
Fucking. <laughs> Y'all. And um, I mean, come on. Just again, that's part of my vision statement. So sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. We're adults here. Yeah, I know. Cool. But anyway, so I, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm going to get too emotional. But so just maybe touch on like some things that you guys had to overcome, I guess, as a woman in recovery. Um, because like I said, I've had to overcome and I truly believe it, it is not. And Kevin Hart said this morning, even though he's awesome and a millionaire and all that, like, he's like, I am not cocky whatsoever. I am confident in the skin that I am. And, and, and that's what, what we try to teach everyone here at McShin, like just be confident no matter what it is in the skin that you're in. It took me, I made 40 in a couple months, took yeah. 39 years, yeah. 39 to like even attempt, I was talking about body image earlier, and that's another whole episode we'll do. But like, I am confident in this body and this brain and this face, these glasses, laughing at myself, all of that. I am truly confident. I can look at whatever camera, Todd. I'm confident. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, Where are we? and I teach my daughter to be. And hopefully I'm teaching the women at McShin to be. And um, so if this, if y'all want to talk about like overcoming things as women, because I know of things both of you have overcome as women um, in recovery, you know, just to kind of tell the audience like out there, like there's so much blessings to recovery, but also this is life. Like this mm -hmm. is stuff happens um, to us. You know, we lose you know, our loved ones or, you know, we change, switch careers to be a, God bless you, girl, both of y'all, y'all three kids, God knew I couldn't handle that. So he gave me McShen Foundation, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I got a bunch of kids here for real. But, um, if you just want to just chat about that real quick, unless you want me to go, remember it's recorded in live. So just, um, one thing I was thinking <laughs> as honesty was talking was, um, you know, my transition when I, when I moved from being a nurse working full time in a hospital, um, I had two kids. And then when my third was born, I decided to make the move to being a stay at home mom. And like that role, um, had, it came with a lot of changes in my life. And I, um, it was really, and it was still to this day, and it's been three and a half years, um, have had to really work on my communication with my husband mm. about, um, <laughs> you know, like being a stay-at-home mom doesn't mean being a stay-at-home cook and maid mm. and, um, you know, all, like literally all of the things. And, um, but sometimes it does, but sometimes it means me being like, okay, I need the night off and being able to, communicate that effectively because I can be just like a, like a little bit of a passive aggressive person, <laughs> like just a little. And, um, you know, not becoming, because I spent many years, I spent off and on many years getting resentful um, about what I wasn't getting, like what my needs weren't getting met, but his needs were getting met. And, um, you know, just through like a lot of communication. And I know like Mackenzie can identify with this because I've had to talk to her about m many of those, you know, trials going through that, but like literally just as, as small as a conversation, um, about, Hey, I'm actually going to 
leave when you get home today and yes. be by myself for an hour, you know, mm -hmm. and just instead of sitting at home being like, I can't, I can't believe I can't, I don't have any time alone, you know, and, um, you know, so just talking and as, as small and, 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 and mediocre, like, as that sounds, it's huge, mm -hmm. you know, so recovery. Mm -hmm. And I was telling somebody just the other day, um, I remember the first time I effectively communicated in recovery, because for whatever reason, I did not learn that mm -hmm. as a child. Sure. No, I, I don't think it was my parents' fault or, you know, mm -hmm. I. it just never happened. So I'll never forget the first time I had to like have a healthy confrontation <laughs> with someone in recovery. And um, he said something ridiculous to me when I was a newcomer and it may or may not be somebody's brother um in this building and um <laughs> oh. my oh i told i, I told my sponsor about it and not. she said we're gonna go talk to him and i was like oh, oh no oh no i'm not gonna talk to him about it i'm just gonna talk to you about it and to everybody else about it and she's like no we're gonna go talk to him but i'll do it with you and it, i'll never i remember where we were. I don't remember all the words because I'm sure my heartbeat was like 190 mm -hmm. or something. But, um, you know, she stayed there with me and I had like a conversation and told him that he hurt my feelings and what he said was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I had never done that in my life. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that was something mm -hmm. like, I remember that lesson and I learned that lesson that I was probably supposed to learn at, I don't know, eight, 10 years old. I learned that lesson at 21 years old outside of a 12-step meeting and um with my sponsor like probably i mean i was probably so close to her i was like like my arm my arm was linked with her because i was so nervous and it was fine so that's just one of the yeah. things that i remember you know and and obviously communication has deepened in you know since then but like that was the first time i remember doing that um I don't know. I don't remember my first healthy communication and recovery at all. I know a ton of unhealthy ones, <laughs> but that touches a subject. And then we'll jump to you, Mackenzie, like the communication piece. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't know if you, I mean, you've obviously, I wouldn't be here without her for real, but like you and me being able to sit back and watch the woman that you have become mm -hmm. knowing your struggles with certain things and like in recovery has been, and I'm not here to kiss your butt or nothing. <laughs> like your sense of peace and calming mm. and like communicating. And when I remember when Adam and I, we had trouble and like y'all, her and Daniel, that was 11 years ago. We're probably all sat us down. Like we had to surround ourselves in our marriage with healthy mm -hmm. marriages, not perfect mm -hmm. marriages, mm -hmm. healthy people that were married in, in our situation recovery. Because there are no perfect marriages. Absolutely not. There's no perfect parents or nothing. I don't, I, I don't know any, if you, if you are, you might want to just check yeah. that real quick. But um, just anyway, but just like the sense of like learning how to communicate with my husband, like communicate mm -hmm. with my staff. Mm -hmm. Enjoy. I mean, I think I do very well at that. But my hardest learner mm -hmm. of my recovery was communicating with 
the man I love and mm-hmm. I want to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. So how are you going to be with someone you want to spend the, re- the rest of your <laughs> days with that and you can't, you can't healthy communicate with? <laughs> right. Or that didn't even sound right. Yeah. Healthy communicate. So I had to like, well, we both had to do a lot of work and it still isn't perfect, but it is great. Like I talked to him <laughs> about stuff that I was scared to and mm-hmm. we're not going to really get too much in here. But like this stuff as a woman that I was scared to death to talk to him about and we've literally been together for 14 years Mm -hmm. you know so this past year specifically has been the best year of our entire life in our marriage because of communication of taking the barriers Mm -hmm. down this is the man I want to spend the rest of my life with so why are you scared or um, what is he going to think or like, oh my gosh, I got to look like the supermodel like, or like, and he's going to leave me like all this stuff as a woman in my mind is like, it just, I can't, you know, and seeing like your pose for like the past year and like following positive, amazing, awesome women on social media is what I use social media for. Um, I have, uh, Facebook is pretty much, Facebook is gone. Besides here, hey, we're live. Um, So maybe something that you've overcome as a woman, you could help, you know, the women and men too, because I mean, it's just because we have this woman empowerment movement. um, I have to have, like John is a huge, huge part of my recovery Mm -hmm. and I would not be here without our relationship that we have. You know, Daniel, Mike, y'all's husbands have helped me. So Butta out there, Matthew Cunningham um, has helped me through some serious stuff in my recovery. So I got some awesome men that I don't want to sleep with, which is great. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I'll just touch on that communication piece, too. I think the closer we get to ourselves and our our relationship with our higher power and our God and and really getting to know ourselves and Mm -hmm. becoming okay with being uncomfortable and being mm-hmm. vulnerable mm-hmm. you know because really it's the 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 fear of they're not going to love me if i mm-hmm. express my need or mm-hmm. if i say that makes me feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. or i don't like this mm-hmm. or i'm scared of that mm-hmm. you know it's very uncomfortable but you know it's just like anything it's a practice so the more we do it the more comfortable it gets. I mean, my husband and I, we didn't get the communication um, education when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, taken every opportunity we can, you know, outside of, you know, whatever it is, whether it's books, therapy, you know, um, all kinds of different things to really mm-hmm. help us learn how to um, communicate effectively. And it's it just takes time, mm-hmm. you know, it just does. And I think the more comfortable we are with ourselves, you know, and I wanted to touch real quick. I saw um, John said uh, the communication, like, how do we communicate to our children um, about oh, good one. Uh, addiction, and, addiction recovery. and recovery? And I can I can say for me, um, you know, I started t- talking to my boys when they were really young about like smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol. And we have a very open line of communication at our house. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to my kids about why people use drugs and why they drink. Like it makes you feel good. Why are kids going to pressure you? Like, what are they going to say? Like, or what are, you know, maybe you feel like you want to use a drug or alcohol, you know, but um, but I also try to tell them, like, these are the re- like, here are the pros mm-hmm. and here are the cons. Like, yes, it might make you feel good temporarily to drink alcohol underage, but what are the consequences of that? And mm-hmm. I think our kids, too, like, they, there's so much devastation that we've been through mm-hmm. 
you know, and that you see that they are aware of that it that it's not as you know, I, I don't know what they're going to end up like. You know, it used to be for me, like my biggest fear was my kids were going to be addicted. So mm-hmm. I was looking at every private school, which that's not going to help mm-hmm. the situation, you know, and realizing that, you know, I think educating people, you know, the children and letting them know, like, you know, we don't do this. You know, these they know our stories. Our older boys know that, you know, their father has been to jail, that their mother has been to jail because we made poor decisions and drank alcohol and drove or whatever the case may be. And, you know, they're, they don't think that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. they think yeah. that's like devastating. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we keep them on that tip of, of knowing that like, this is not, um, you know, like they know we don't drink, but we talk about drinking responsibly. Like their friend's parents might drink, mm-hmm. but it's not okay to get in the car with their friend's parents mm-hmm. if they've been mm-hmm. drinking, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I just think that open line of communication, that's all I can do. And and when they ask us questions, you know, we actually have been talking about video games and the addiction to video games mm-hmm. is kind of like the addiction to drugs. Like it makes you feel good temporarily while you're doing it. And then afterwards you feel like crap, you're mean, you know, but your brain is in control. So it's almost like this powerless feeling of like, oh, you know, one of my kids was banned from Fortnite. And then he's like my total rule follower doesn't want to make poor choices. And he lost it. And then we caught him playing it. Like that night when he knew, like he in like he snuck on the game. First of all, he snuck to to the game and he played the Fortnite game. So, you know, we had to have this conversation immediately. He's like, "I'm so sorry. I know this was wrong." And I'm like, "This is like drugs. You didn't want to do it, but your brain was like more, more, more." And so, in some ways, it's like not an excuse, but it's not really his fault because it takes over your brain. You made the decision, but. So anyway, yeah. it's kind of that whole whole thing. But um, for me personally, um, overcoming fear of being in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you guys know this about me, um, just I was afraid to be in the world. I was afraid of everything. I was terrified of, you know, and then the pandemic hit and I'm like, oh, damn, I've been preparing for this my whole life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, I can do this. And actually, for some odd, strange reason, actually, in the last few years, um, I have way less fear. And again, it's kind of go- getting I, I don't know the miracle formula. Um, I do a lot of yoga. Um, you know, your body holds on to every memory that it's ever had mm-hmm. and ever experienced. So when you move your body in certain ways, you have this release of emotion and tension. And um, so there's more to it than just stretching and more than just the physical moving of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helped me tremendously. I've been going, you know, I've been going to therapy on and off since I got sober. Um so overcoming fear, you know, just really going inside um, and shame, you know, shame is a big mm-hmm. part of, you know, uh, lots of, mm-hmm. of areas that we, you know, I mean, yeah. So whether you get shamed as a child, whether you have shame from mm-hmm. society, whether mm-hmm. it's some sort of conditioning we have mm-hmm. to have this shame that we're, our bodies aren't looking like the magazines, that starts at a young age, mm-hmm. um, whether it's shame of, you know, like, Oh, you're oh you're in redemption. We you're in recovery. We all have our struggles. It's yeah. okay, you know. Also, like um, you know, I don't feel ashamed to be in recovery, Me but neither. sometimes I get this like jolt to the chest when people are like, mm. when they treat me like, oh, you poor thing. I didn't mm. know that about mm. you. Like. Mm. 
oh, you're so broken. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, I do not feel broken now. You, you know? Not. Well, now, after they yeah. judge you right in front yeah. of you. You know, getting left out. You know, if, yeah. if, you know, people, I think the biggest thing, too, is like, People assume that because you don't drink or do drugs, or I'm just going to keep it on drinking for me, like, because that's, you know, socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can talk about mom wine culture Mm -hmm. here if Mm -hmm. we want to, Mm -hmm. because it's acceptable if you're drinking Mm -hmm. wine as a mom Mm -hmm. whenever you want. Mm -hmm. But if you're in the closet drinking a bottle of vodka, Mm -hmm. man, Mm -hmm. that's a real problem, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So where's the disconnect Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. Why can't, you know, so I have a whole, that's a whole nother topic Mm -hmm. for another day. But, um... But yeah, I I think that um, the shame piece, being able to overcome, you know, again, it's all that in inner inner mm-hmm. work, you know, decluttering the internal house and the external house, mm-hmm. you know, they go together. So if you're, a lot of times you'll find. Um, if you are doing a lot of inner work, I mean, you're a purger anyway, so you purge your whole house, you know. But a lot, you know, it's there's a whole thing of like oh, hanging yeah. on to. Yeah. Yeah physically you know externally if your house is full of clutter your internal house is full of clutter right you know so you you aren't clearing out too and um so yeah are we talking about no 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 i like that i was like as soon as you said purge i was like no i never did that as a kid like you know oh no no i mean things yeah no, no, no. And you're right. Like, I, they know I don't like things. Mm-hmm. I don't have things. I mean, I have necessities. I don't have, my house is a little rancher. I just don't, um, I don't need, you know, I don't know. I have everything I need and I love it. But mm-hmm. to touch on John's for two seconds and then I kind of wanted to, to get some tips on, like, moving forward with school and, like, um, the COVID and stuff is, like, John taught me a long time ago to drug test my daughter. <laughs> so I've been drug testing Destiny. She's 18 now since she was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been not, like, every week or, you know, she will not pee in a cup. So they've been doing, we've been doing the mouth swabs for six years. Actually, it's time. I haven't done one in a long time because I trust her. So now we're at a point of our life, you know, and and she's had some situations, you know, uh, drinking and stuff um, already. But the biggest thing Adam and I, which is my husband, can do for them is to stay in long-term recovery. Mm -hmm. Destiny has been to funerals with me. She is, they know, her and Wyatt both have literally, I mean, I have a different, I guess, outlook on it or or situation because they've been, here at McShen since Wyatt was born, literally, and uh, Destiny since she was five. So they've seen, well, where did so-and-so go away? Well, Mm -hmm. Destiny started picking up quicker that it's jail or they're, you know, passed away or whatever. Like, if you're out there and, like, you're a parent in recovery, like, having those open conversations. Mm -hmm. And and Earth people ask me for advice all the time. Mm -hmm. We call them Earth people. (laughs) Um, how do you, how do I talk to my teenager about drugs? I said, you have an open conversation with them. Like the relationship that I have with my daughter is a relationship I a, never thought I could even dream of. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. And I love you, mama, but n- not the relationship I ever had with my mom. Mm-hmm. As far as the stuff that she tells me and talks to me about, I just never in a million years, like, I just, I don't know. I just didn't think that that would happen. And that is like y'all do with your boys. And you, I know y'all talk with y'all, your boys already. And they're young. It's mm-hmm. like having the, having the open door of like, you 
you know, if you drank at a party, you're punished for a year. <laughs> like, and blah, blah, blah. And we just don't do that in our home. I right. mean, she did get a consequence, but it was, um, she hated us. She was running away. Yeah. And that lasted for literally 24 hours. <laughs> um, and God put people in my life that are my, some of my best friends. And, like, they, they were able to talk to her. But anyway, that was years ago. And... Like now, like I have to understand and and I think it was you or maybe someone else that taught me my daughter has her own higher power. Mm -hmm. So me trying to control and micromanage everything that she did was a huge detriment to my soul, not just my recovery, but like literally my soul because I'm always in fear but I still do track her on the app and stuff but <laughs> I do have an app and she's she's 18 she's yeah. an illegal adult she lives in our house though I do it in case of emergency like there's accountability piece that I just didn't have as a kid either mm -hmm. that Adam and I we just raise our kids completely different how we were raised I mean that's how you and communicate with them, not just, oh, that's cool. You took a bong hit with your friends. Well, Destiny, do you know weeds, lace, and fentanyl now? This is like legit conversations I have with her. Like, mm -hmm. I just found out, you know, or, you know, you know, rape, like all the stuff that you just, that we weren't talked about, you mm -hmm. know? And, and, and I think, you know, some of the stuff that I went through, I just, and again, it was a different time back then, obviously. I mean, that was like 100 years ago when I was her age. But, um, yeah, I just think it's important to, like, communicate with your children at an early age and what is age appropriate, you know? I mean, we didn't talk about bongs when she was six. <laughs> but we started talking about weed, really, um, because she would show me on these social medias, ding-dong, smoking yeah. weed on social media. Mm -hmm. And I've helped some of her friends through this process and, and um a lot of parents that she's known and then the coolest part is i i am certified the cool mom and we're the cool house because the parents know it's safe to come to our house because we don't have drugs and alcohol there you know yeah. so and other people might think that's lame but for my experiences i've had some like you where it's judgy and judgy but just from having my career at mcshen it's more of like so much more acceptance mm -hmm. uh why well, just two seconds his baseball team took adam and i in you know and and, and took it us in knowing we were in recovery not that they you know are going to say no because at least we weren't recovering yeah you can't be on our baseball team but it's like the awesomest people i've ever met that were earth people that just love us in our recovery you know um it's really cool so let's transition really quick can i so, touch on something real quick yeah i just want to say like the earth people and all of that i personally don't believe in that i believe that like we are all more alike than we know yeah you know and true. so there's really no like if you want to put us in a box here as addicts, yeah. then we're going to stay in the box. I'm not Right? So, like, if you want to look at it like, hey, we all struggle. Yeah. This is just one of our, we struggle with, mm -hmm. we struggled yeah. with mm -hmm. addiction, but mm -hmm. we have been recovering for mm -hmm. a very long time. So, mm -hmm. I love the idea of just, like, embracing and integrating everything, that mm -hmm. it's not just, like, oh, we are different than other people that are out there, because yeah. we're not. Because everyone has their own struggles, whether it's with food or with mm -hmm. money or with right. their, job, um, their yeah their or marriage. their children or their marriage or yeah. you know sex or whatever it is you know everyone's got their struggle yeah. ours is just addiction so we're yeah. not broken yeah. and we don't like i mean yeah we we come in here sick right mm -hmm. and we get better right right yeah. so anyway i just wanted to say that cuz i i think that 
that is kind of in that shame box mm-hmm. of like, oh, mm-hmm. we are this and those normal earth people are, mm-hmm. are yeah. different. Are normal. Yeah. yeah. And what's we normal? Are, we are as Not normal like, as they are. Right. You know, right. right. So, yeah. yeah. And, right. you know, yeah. you know, and, and in some ways, like, and I don't mean this to toot my own horn, but in some ways we are much healthier than the average person in society right yeah. now, too. And I don't say that like, oh, I'm so healthy, but. But, you know, we've been taking the, the road less Tools. traveled, yeah. right? So, like, most people are not going inward as much as, as people that, that either do 12 steps or, you know, learn more. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about, like, you don't go to 12-step meetings as much anymore, but you found, you know, all these other pathways mm-hmm. to really open yourself up to mm-hmm. healing. Yeah. So I, I think that it's important that we um, maybe rethink those those the language that we use mm-hmm. just because... Um, then it allows that shame to continue to creep in, even to the newcomer of like, oh, well, I'm different. Yeah. You're not really that different. No. You know, we, yeah. we're just struggling right now. And we're going to get yes. better. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. And then and again, 13 years, you got to remain teachable. But <laughs> Always. Yeah. Forever. Always. Yeah. And I've never thought of it in that perspective. Me neither. Damn. You I know? told you I've been following you, girl. Now you're off social media shit. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I feel as close to some of my friends who are not in recovery as I do to others in recovery, you know, and we have so many more common things among us Mm -hmm. than differences. And, you know, um, yeah, I think it's just a part of human nature to offset, you know, or or, yeah, put it in boxes. I guess for me, it's just because I, deal with it every day and I do have to unfortunately see the negative outlook on the people that hate on us um, people in recovery and Mm -hmm. outside of it and it's just like I don't know I feel like now and I'm talking to Adam about this like all these years later and y'all too it's like we have the lives we never you talk about your five things I don't even know what my five things Mm -hmm. were it was just not Mm -hmm. being dope sick not Mm-hmm. having the symptoms of dope sick, not being dope right. sick, not being dope sick and not being dope sick. <laughs> We're all five of mine to be dead honest with you. When I came to McShen, it wasn't, I'm getting my daughter back. Cause I didn't know if I wanted to be a mom, mm-hmm. you know, it was a ton of different mm-hmm. things. I just didn't want to be withdrawn and I didn't want to be, keep doing the things I was doing to get money mm-hmm. period. And obviously that's evolved and, and that's great. But, um, but yeah, that's awesome. So now I will hopefully never use that again. Um, never say never. I know. Never, He'll never try. say never. <laughs> uh, Justin Bieber's my jam. All right. So just really quick, looking at my notes. So just a couple a, a minute each, because I know we're running, um, of like what, just to give some advice to our audience, if they are parents, mom, dad, whatever, kind of like, what is the future going to look like? Or just give them something like, since all of us have school-age kids, you know, with the COVID and, and with virtual learning or going back to school, just to give them, because I know a lot of moms that are single moms um, and newcomers to recovery and have three kids or whatever, mm-hmm. and just something out to our audience and like, you know, just to give them a little bit of hope that it's going to be okay. So I just, I'll say two things on that topic. One is that like one of the things I learned early in recovery, that's probably the hardest lesson that I continue to learn is that, um, that I should, and that I need to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be, um, a mom alone. 
And so because I've learned to ask for help as a mom, I go to my friends and say, what did, like, what did you guys do about this? And I go to the moms in my neighborhood and we are like, the moms in my neighborhood, like we're literally raising our kids as a village. Mm -hmm. And that's so cool. That's been one of the biggest blessings uh, again of recovery is like learning that not just to do it, but that it's okay. Mm -hmm. And to encourage other people to do the same thing. And so I think, especially in this environment of children going back to school, whether virtually, et cetera, whatever the situation is like, I am not, I know that I don't have to take that on alone today. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean alone just like, because I'm not a single mom. I mean alone, like in my community, mm -hmm. there are places that are, you know, um, offering services and just reaching out to other moms and saying like, maybe we could do something together, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and the other thing I'll say just real quick is, for like when school started com becoming a topic and what we were gonna do, I realized that for a couple weeks I had been saying out loud and to myself, I can't do this. Mm. I cannot do this. Mm. I, I, I just can't do this. <laughs> I have no idea how this is gonna happen. I can't do this. And I was really negative about what the choices were and how I didn't have any control and all this stuff. And like literally one day, I don't know if it was something I heard or just something that my higher power fed into me, but I can do anything that I tell myself I can do, right? And that mindset is everything. And we were, Mackenzie and I were just talking about this the other day, like literally all I have to do is change that verbiage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I can do this. I, totally. I'm not going to do it alone, but I can do it and it will be successful mm -hmm. and we will get through it and every day is not going to be beautiful and pretty and graceful but like my kids are going to um emotionally and mentally and physically survive this yeah and i can do this mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i stopped talking so hateful mm -hmm. about it and you know like those people i can't believe you know and just i really kind of just changed that perspective on being angry and saying like okay, we're going to do this and we're going to get through it. Yeah. And it yeah. might leave some scars, but, and it, it's just amazing what that, like just that, those like simple sentences, that self-talk, what that can do to change the perspective because perspective is everything mm -hmm. and what it can do um, just moving forward and finding a solution. So um, anyway. Yeah. Well, I just acceptance for me. I mm -hmm. mean, first when COVID hit and I had to work full time and have Wyatt in school and try to teach him stuff that I had no idea how to teach a fifth grader because I wasn't, um, I did a lot of drugs in school, um, <laughs> you know, and then like even with this and like talking to you, but it, it was this acceptance for me. Like, shit, this is what it is. I got to accept it, changing my, my whole mind and my whole household's mind frame of, well, he's going to school supposedly. Um, but if that turns to virtual, okay, well, what is this going to look like for us? Not yeah. freaking out, you know, if COVID, like it just is what it is. So it's like, I just had to like, and then through COVID, us and another best friend, Stacey, ours like that support network of like being moms and doing weekly zooms was amazing and that got me through but my biggest my biggest hand is just accepting what my life is today and how you know how can we do it and just 
change if we need to change it and just kind of roll, go with the flow. I, I told Adam, I was like, I've been through way worse than this. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, COVID comment, you know, virtual school, let's go. I will say that I have not accepted it yet. <laughs> <laughs> She's got three, though. I got not there. Really but I am seeking a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're aware, yeah. right? So yeah. after the awareness, then re- becomes the acceptance. Yeah. And after you've accepted accepted it, then you can find the peace in it. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a process like everything we all know that I will say for me um I I mean I go back to the basics you know like I still say it we can do anything one day at a time Mm -hmm. people survive prison Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. years and Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. they don't think about how long they're going to be in prison Mm -hmm. they think about what do I have to do today Mm -hmm. they you know Mm -hmm. when we get sober you you can't think about oh man I can't drink Mm -hmm. when I get married (laughs) I did that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Me right. too. And right. then someone reminded me gracefully that just for today, you don't have to drink. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I've lived in this pandemic, you know, and also like when you have a newborn, you know, I had two out of three crying ass babies, you know, <laughs> and that. like, I remember thinking after on the third one, I was like, all right, one year, it's going to be really hard for mm-hmm. one year. And so you do whatever it is for your family that works. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of all this thing. I don't know what the best decision is. It's all an experiment. Mm-hmm. None of us know yeah, what's best, no, but know. we can get quiet and learn and, and be aware of, okay, what can I do? What is the best situation for me right now? If you have to, you know, whatever it is that you need to do, you know, for, for some people it's, you know, stay up later or get up earlier or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is that you need to do to get the most peace in your life mm-hmm. with the schooling situation, do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe you entertain some meditation into your practice in the morning. Just get quiet and mm-hmm. maybe listen to what is available to you and the answers will come. Yeah. Um, and so, and and the thing that Rachel said, like asking for help, oh gosh, that's mm-hmm. so hard. But I also mm-hmm. think during the pandemic, we've become closer in community. Mm-hmm. And so that is like kind of going back to when women, Brene Brown talks about how, um, before washing machines, women were washing their clothes yes. down by the river. Mm-hmm. And then they developed washing machines and there was a widespread uh, depression because the women weren't together, mm-hmm. you know. And in some ways, you know, there's a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of things that are really wrong in the world right now. But if we can focus on what's right mm-hmm. in the world and what's mm-hmm. right in our communities and how we can do better and get our needs met with by asking for help, our lives will be forever changed for the better but focusing on the negative and what's not working is not going to make you any happier mm-hmm. you know so yeah so like yeah just stay positive ladies and gentlemen to the best of your ability definitely reach out for help you know there's a ton of other services if you need mcshen y'all know where to find us um and just you know to the best of your ability don't use you know that's the biggest thing for me and during this because i wanted to get drunk in the beginning of covid Mm -hmm. and these two taught me out not that i was like on the verge of like going, but as soon as the advertisement says I we can deliver alcoholic beverages to your home, I was like, damn, 
I'm going to get drunk. Ain't nobody going to know. Um, I'll take one shot and be drunk and my husband will tell the world. Oh, so, but, um, that would be terrible. But just saying, like, even with all of these years, you know, my addiction is still, like you said, it, it's part of my memory and, you know, part of, it was 14 years of my life. So we have to remember, like, we have to have these tools and utilize the tools, reaching out for help, getting other services if we need it, but also looking within and healing yourself so you can get through these things. Like you said, you were made for this. I was not made for this. And I've said that all the time daily. I was like, how do I not made for this? You know, God did not make me this way. And it worked out. I'm fine. You know, life is great. And um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, you got to just focus on today and, and how you can go through your day and try to be happy. And, and the biggest thing for me is helping somebody else, you yeah. know, and and remembering that happiness is fleeting. We're not always happy. Oh, gosh. And we don't you know? always have to be. No. Right. And I, I think one one thing that is important is when I got sober, I just wanted to be happy all the time, yeah. right? Well, what is happy? Right. It's like now I strive just to be content. And I'm yes. content even during the pandemic. And we wouldn't know happiness if we didn't know sadness. That's exactly you know? right. So right. Like the, yeah. both of those are okay. Yeah. And it is okay mm-hmm. to be negative every once in a while. Yeah. Just don't stay there very long. Right. You know? Well, and I think also the negativity helps you grow in other areas of your sure. life because yeah. you're like when you go through negative stuff or you're because you know the school or whatever it's like wait you know I think for me my negativity and the stuff is like it makes me appreciate what I do have even more sure. you know yeah. um, it just pushes us to be a better person yeah human you know so yeah. all right Todd I know so, but <laughs> but um this we went a little over you know great topics you know we love you guys and um thank you both very very special women in my life and I would not be here without you guys like literally seriously <laughs> um you know this is our this is what gets us you know, going, you know, I saw some new people in recovery responding, like, we're nothing different than you. We're nothing special. It's just, we have longer recovery time and we worked on our souls for a very long time. And it's been a process. So you can do this too, just like us. Um, and differently than us, everybody's path is different and it evolves. It's just starting somewhere. We all have to start somewhere and then look where our somewheres have gotten us. Mm. So y'all are bad ass women and I love you and thank you for taking the time um, thank you. Um, I'm sure you're glad like girl I'm getting a sitter I'm getting out of here <laughs> get some, some Starbucks yeah. she got All right. we love you have a good day bye bye